Hi everyone, welcome to the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm I'm James, and I'm being joined by my normal, regular co-hosts, Deck and Johnny. Hello. Hello, I'm glad you remembered your name. name. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know why I'm in such a positive mood, given I'm a Chelsea fan. (laughs) You were so happy you made yourself pause. It was incredible. Mm. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So, yes, today, um, you may think that uh, the transfer window is closed, so what's the point of a Transfer News Central podcast? Well, two things. This podcast isn't just about transfers, even though it says it is. We love talking (laughs) about football. We're going to be talking about football over the season. And also, the European transfer window is still open for another couple of weeks. So, we've got a lot to talk about. There's lots of big stories happening all over Europe regarding big players going to big clubs. So, we're going to go into that. First, I think, before we get on to last week's last weekend's results in the Premier League and the Super Cup, and talk about that and our predictions and <laughs> how bad or good they look already. And so, yeah, um, I think the big, like the big story in European transfers at the moment is Neymar, and this has kind of been a saga that we've been covering all summer. Like it seems to, it seems to be kind of off and then on and then off and then on, and now it seems like. He's got Real Madrid and Barcelona kind of jousting for his services. Good old tug of war. Yeah, and uh, it seems like he's open to going to both, although he has a preference for Barcelona. And PSG are open to selling to both, but they have a preference for Real Madrid. So it's it's a really interesting um, situation. Like, What do you guys make of it? Johnny. Oh right, sorry, sorry. I, I, I was, you know, I was, I was just being polite and respectful for once. <laughs> in, in this I'm used to you like biting immediately, no. so I didn't want to interrupt no, you. No. You go, oh. you go, Johnny. What do you think of Neymar? Well, obviously Neymar, all the talent in the world, brilliant player. When when I watch him on the football field, I think, you know, just just thoughts of this player, you know, a genius on his day, as skillful as anyone. Fast, brilliant dribbler, brilliant end product. You know, I mean, his PSG career hasn't been a total disaster, actually. He's still provided the French League with so much joy when he's been on the field. And you just look at some of his highlight reels whilst at Paris and you think, you know, this guy's a sensation. Unfortunately, though, you know, it, it hasn't lasted. That, that, those moments of wonder haven't lasted too long because, as many of us know with Neymar, he has he's a huge ego. He has certain dem- he has huge demands that he feels need to be met, and I don't think he feels that he, they, they they were being met for whatever reason at Paris Saint Germain. Um, I think it's we all expected that this might happen given the given the nature of Neymar as a person, but you know attitude problems aside, this is a remark still a remarkable player, and you know Barcelona or Real Madrid whoever got him on board would no doubt have, you know, an unbelievable player that would strengthen their strengthen their pack no end. And the, and 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 that's what we've got to look at. I think it's easy to say, oh, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a good attitude, but he's pushing for a move back to Spain. So you'd imagine his attitude would be of of significant improvement because it's this is now where he wants to be. Back in you know, the, at one of the top two Spanish clubs because he feels that's where he enjoyed uh, the best moment of his, moments of his career uh, when, while he was at Barca, at least, anyway. No, that, that, that's fair. I, I do get that, um, Johnny. I fully agree with you. It's just um, Neymar's one of those funny ones where I, I thought it would play out a bit like the Paul Pogba saga where 
the player probably does want to go, but there's just even not enough finances with the teams that are, would be interested or can realistically make a massive transfer like that. Obviously, Pogba's a lot, but Neymar's on a whole different level because of the the ridiculous fee that PSG played for, paid for him a couple of years ago. Um, so it's it, it just it's a funny one, but I, I feel like now it does seem like a transfer is going to happen if PSG is definitely going to feature players. It feels like swap deals have been so important this um, transfer window more than probably any other in in the past. Really, it's felt it's felt like we've t- spoken about them more than ever. But I I'm not sure with Neymar. It just he's always there's always been trouble, hasn't there? When he came from Santos, there was the issue of his dad and stuff like that. And leaving Barcelona, it was weird. And now it's come full circle at PSG again, and it it just feels like it. It's just never about yeah. the football. Sometimes it's a really interesting one, but I, I just I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I, I just think when there there is a lot of bravado and exterior facts that you've alluded to, Deck with with Neymar, but there's a reason why these big clubs are willing to take that on board, and that's because the player himself is a, is a genius and is one of the elite players in the world. I'd just like to we were talking about player exchanges as well, and I think that's an that's an interesting way how clubs try to sort of get around financial fair play and financial issues by by sh- shifting on players they don't want to another club alongside money. So Gelen Balag, Balagay, uh, on BBC Radio 5 Live earlier, it might have been earlier today or yesterday, I can't quite remember, but he's, he claims that Barcelona had made a €100 million Euro bid plus Coutinho while Real Madrid had made a, a money bid that wasn't that wasn't enclosed in there, but we imagined a, quite a significant amount of money with James Rodriguez and Gareth Bale included in that deal. So two interesting offers on the table there. And uh, I suppose I'll throw this back to you, um, James. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, first that 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 whole concept of um, of, of cash plus plus players seems to be happening a lot more. Now and um, yeah, and I think the guy that we had on the other week, Zach, was he tweets about this a lot that that players that, that clubs are trying to get around financial fair play by offering players as part exchange instead of having to pay the whole fee because transfer fees are just going out of control. But in, in terms of Neymar, like I kind of agree with you both. He's a huge talent. On his day, he is a world class player. Absolutely no doubt about that. He's yeah, he's got a magical player um, who will improve any team and. Uh, in terms of ability, but yeah, I think yeah we've all we've had these issues with his attitude so often. And to me, I mean, I don't think I don't feel like he's delivered on his potential yet. I don't feel like because we haven't he hasn't we haven't seen I haven't seen him do it in the Champions League, really. I haven't like seen it do it consistently uh, in a top league either. And on yeah. the international stage, he doesn't seem to kind of show up either. So he's got all the ability in the world on his day when he decides to show up. I just want to, if he's going to be remembered as a great player, he needs to start showing up a lot more um, and at a big, big club. And maybe that's why he wants to move. Maybe that's why he wants to go. To go. And I think, I don't think he actually, to be honest, I'm not sure if he minds going, to, whether it's Real Madrid or Barcelona. I mean, it's a big thing with Brazilians and, and, um, and Real Madrid. And Perez has always liked Neymar and has always wanted to, to bring him to Real Madrid of that tradition and because of also marketing reasons as well because he's more marketable than than Eden Hazard to be honest even though even though I'd rather have Hazard in my team every time because he's more consistent and has a better attitude but Neymar's marketable he brings you know he he helps you get big big shirt deals he helps you get sponsors and, you know he's 
um, a, a big global brand. Um, and Real Madrid are interested in that. And they, you know, obviously they need to make money as well. So they're spending a lot of money in the transfer market this summer. So, and the other thing about this move to Real, with Real Madrid is that Real Madrid seemed to be able to be able to find big money to spend on Neymar, but weren't willing to do that with Pogba. And Pogba was a guy that Zidane wanted. And Perez is the guy pushing for Neymar. I don't think Zidane is that bothered about getting Neymar. There seems to be a bit of something going on there with Perez and Zidane. And I actually saw a story today that Zidane is going to is considering stepping down. You know, so I don't think all is well at Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, they, they've had a very poor preseason. I know a lot of people don't read into preseason much, but for a top team, I, I think especially a team like Real Madrid, especially a couple last couple of years, they've underestimated how good Atletico have become because they've had some consistency. Simeone's been there. He's one of probably one of the longest tenured managers in Europe at the moment. He's been, is it about nine, ten years? So they, they've had consistency and it's it's paying now. Like that, I'd happily tell you that they're a better team than Real Madrid right now because I, I do believe that they'll finish above Real Madrid again in the league and they'll be they'll be the team more pushing Barca for the La Liga title but it would Neymar change that probably I, it always seems like it's a fairy tale like homecoming in sense of him going back to Barca and reuniting with Messi but obviously I think the money is what what is always going to be the issue because I can guarantee that PSG are still paying off that 200 million that they paid to Barca before. So everything just complicates it. And it just, like you said, like he doesn't seem to be bothered which team he wants to go to. And instead of that being like, oh, okay, he's just like free thinking and he, he's not bothered where he goes. It's more like, oh, he's just not bothered about who he plays with, not bothered about the football when that's what it should I feel be about. Like, uh, sorry, I, I was just going to say, I feel like with Neymar though, certainly in the in when he when he was at Barcelona, when it was uh, when he was part of the MSN trio, I think I think the fifteen sixteen season uh, in particular of the, I think that uh, when he was at Barcelona, uh, I think it was his second or third season or, or around that time, I thought he was actually brilliant, um, and that and that that trio complemented each other so well. And they, they amassed over, I think it was something like 122 goals in one season, just the three of them. And that was, oh, uh, it's that here actually, 131 goals wow. in the 15-16 season when they got the domestic uh, double between Neymar, Suarez and Messi. And I feel like Neymar, as part of that sort of, tri- it, it was fantastic. And you, they all complemented each other so well. I feel like what happened was Neymar, even though he was doing fantastically well, thought in his own head that he needed the move to PSG to be, Individ- to prove himself individually as the best because as it, all of those three as, as a trio were sort of complementing each other well, but Messi was always the top dog. And then you'd, ar- you'd argue maybe Neymar or Suarez w- was the secondary. Probably Neymar was the secondary, and then Suarez probably the third yeah. uh, of that trio. But he wasn't the top man of the team. It was Messi. And I feel like that's why he moved to PSG initially, because he wanted to think, you know what, we- there's a project here. They're signing big players. We can win the Champions League with PSG. And then if they do that, Neymar's then the best player in the world. I feel like that's what orchestrated his move. Having realised that that's ne- not necessarily worked out as he hoped, I feel like now... He's almost going back to Spain, somewhere where he likes the culture, he loves the place. <laughs> and you'd, I just I just feel like that petulant attitude that's at PSG now, I think it'll seep away because he knows, doesn't he? There's no there's no bigger club really than Barcelona or Real Madrid. He's tried to further his career by doing something at, at sort of, I call it kind of a, a sort of franchise esque kind of club at the moment with 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 the with the ownership that they've got that that sort of push them high up in in, in the uh 
in the sort of order order of things in Europe. But I feel like if he does go back there, he'll be a more settled Neymar, and I feel like he'll be a determined Neymar and someone who's wanting to really hit the ground running. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I really don't see... Because it's one of those you say attitude, but if Barcelona got it, Real Madrid would be kicking themselves. And then if Real Madrid got them, Barcelona would be kicking themselves. It's one of those, isn't it? It strengthens the rival so much more. However, for some reason, I do think whoever gets Neymar, the other one will probably make a, an assault for Mbappe next summer. I think I have a significant suspicion. Well, see, I think Mbappe is going to end up at end up at Real Madrid anyway. I think that's. From what I've heard, the, the Real Madrid have been talking to Mbappe's people already for quite You'd a like while. to think that they're not because that would be very, uh, very illegal. The, but... the world's an illegal place, Declan. Yeah, but it happens in football all the time. Yeah, my, my innocent heart can't football. take it. Well, I, I would like to see Mbappe at Madrid. I, I don't know. I've got a, I've got this thing like Real mm. Madrid have just got this aura as a club. They're a massive club. I've got a friend who who was a professional footballer tire quite young, but I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the club that I played for, but if I was got a chance to go to Real Madrid, I would go because they're just, they're, there's something about the club. It, it's the pinnacle, isn't it? I think if any player that thinks they are something or thinks they've got it will then go to Real Madrid. And then that's really the, the tester, isn't it? If you can play brilliantly week in week out in front of supporters who I quite consider to be like those at the gladiatorial arenas that sort of chant and boo and you know the craze you know they expect perfection all the time if you could perform in front of those people where us where I think it, you know it's a very unique arena very unique place but you you, you you've then cracked football I think as far as an, an individual player goes that those are Barcelona is where I think every player wants to be and if they do well there then they then they are the dons of the game. So speaking about Spanish football, um, we were speaking about Atletico Madrid. And this brings us to Christian Eriksen, who was on the bench for Tottenham at the weekend, didn't move to another English club, was linked with Manchester United and uh, Real Madrid, and with Atletico. Didn't go to Manchester United because um, they felt he wanted to go to Spain. Mm. So, and he was on the bench, which I thought was really, really interesting because Pochettino tends to leave players on the bench who might be leaving. That's kind of a thing that he he's done. He did it with Carl Walker, and he did it with I've done it with other players as well, I think. But um, so I I've got I I'm thinking that he's going to leave. No, um, and I don't think that'll be a good thing for Spurs at all. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting where he goes because I don't. I mean, it could, I don't know. Depend. Will it? Will he go to Real Madrid if? They don't get Neymar. I can't see him going to Real Madrid, honestly. I, 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 I don't. I, I can't actually see him going as much as I think he might want to, and as much as Tottenham would want the cash because I think they'll struggle to sign him to a new contract. You saw. The, I know we're going to get onto the Premier League later, but you saw at the weekend, Spurs were weren't doing anything in that game against Villa. Villa were defending very well. Tyrone Mings had an incredible game, but they. They needed some magic. They brought on Christian Eriksen and the game just changed and they ended up winning. And it, it, it was mainly down to him because he started creating opportunities for Harry Kane. And I don't think Tottenham can afford to lose that. But there's this whole part of they need to sell him because he's only got one year left. But I, I, I don't know. But that, that's my, my two cents on it. Just because you saw in one game... Even him mm. being on the I bench, do, I, how important. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say, actually, uh, Lo, Lo Celso obviously was brought in and he wasn't in the um, 
in the in the squad. I don't think for the Villa game because he'd just been brought in uh, on deadline day, and everyone people were thinking that might be Spurs' answer to creativity this season. He's younger than Eriksen. He's more dynamic. Um, you know, he likes to take players on. However. That being said, Ericsson does have big shoes to fill and it's a lot to ask of someone, you know, who's never graced English football before. And, you know, that, that there, there, there will be question marks about that. But I, I looked at um, the Tottenham wage structure uh, on Spotrack, which is like a, a database which which, show, which illustrates the uh, breakdown of what a player earns per week. And Ericsson's on 75000 a week, which is very modest, considering some of the inflated figures that go around at, at other clubs. But Sissoko and Lamella were on 80000 a week. So they actually earn more than Ericsson. Now I was thinking to myself, well, that, well, that's not right. You know, I'm looking at this and thinking this is one of been one of the most consistent performers, not only for Spurs but in the Premier League uh, over the past three, four, uh, five seasons. He's been there for a long time. You know, he's in the years of his career now where he's probably going to, arguably, the peak years where he where he really wants to um, where he really wants to sort of um, deliver and push on. So I'm I'm thinking that that figure is a little bit disrespectful to me. I think I really do think that. And Endombele is coming, and I think Endombele looks a super player. But Daniel Levy's give, put him in a, on a two hundred thousand pound a week contract straight away. Now, if, like I say, if I'm Ericsson, now I'm I'm led to believe reading uh, reports and hearing from certain people that it's not necessarily money motivated and that he maybe wants to a challenge where he's you know uh for trophies a, a, a different culture a different a different club for, for for various reasons and not really as i say centralized around the money aspect but it probably doesn't help does it i mean it, it really you know and and the fact that they've left contract negotiations to this point it's a bit odd. I mean, I can't see him signing. I would. I'd be embarrassed to give Ericsson a deal if I was Daniel Levy that was less than one hundred and fifty thousand a week. I really would. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, he's like he's he. If anyone's worth two hundred grand a week, he is. So I don't think I don't think he'll sign a new contract, and I don't think Daniel Levy will want to lose him for free, no matter how good he is. I mean, he's not. That's not how Daniel Levy works. He'll want to make get the money for him, so that at least he can then go in January and then spend it if he can't spend it now. So. Yeah, and I think if he really, and it looks like he really wants to go as well. It does look like he really wants to go. And I think, so if he really wants to go, he won't sign a contract and then he could move next summer for free, which would be a disaster for Spurs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because he could go anywhere. He could go, he could go to another English club, go to Man City, or, you know, he could go, go anywhere he wanted to for free. Um, and, and the speculation would go on the whole season as well. It would distract from Spurs' campaign for sure. Um, like Hazard stuff did last year, but it would be even bigger than that because he's going for nothing. So I think it will. I think I I can't see him not moving because either he signs a new contract or he moves this week. I think that's it's basically that, and it might go to deadline day. But I think that's it'll come down to that. It'll be like either you sign a new deal or we're going to sell you because we can't we can't lose you for nothing. I agree with you, uh, James. I also think that the problem, I don't think Daniel Levy would have made the move for Lo Celso if he didn't feel like he wanted to push Ericsson on or, you know, or, you know I, I, I feel like he's a very shrewd very negotiator, isn't he? He won't point. go, he won't go surplus. He won't go overboard and, and, and try and, you know, get more than he's needed. He will try and get enough. He's not going to, he's not going to splash the cash without a reason. 
And I think, and obviously, I think in that game, a lot of people forgot themselves who had actually signed because he wasn't in the squad. And, you know, deadline days just happened. And you sort of forget a little bit. Everything's fast and frenetic news-wise. But I'm with you, James. I think they'll try and find a way for Ericsson to leave. I think it's actually quite sad, that, actually, because I would be at least offering him a, a, a contract of significantly more money to, see, to, to, to try and um, tempt him to stay a bit longer because he's been a fantastic player and, you know, you, everyone needs experienced players, every squad. Um, but I do feel like it will go down that route. Yeah. Lacelso on much less money. He's going to want to prove himself and he's going to, you know, he, he won't necessarily ha- be, be someone who's going to be commanding the big books, the big, the big money like, like, um, like Ericsson might do. So I feel like that's the way they're going to go with it. Yeah. So, okay. That's, yeah, that's a good, good little topic. So uh, there's no segue here. I can't figure out a segue. We're going to go to Germany for a little bit, and then we're going to come back and talk about the football. Oh, league. Germany's my favourite, James. You're treating um, me. So we're going to go to Bayern pr- primarily because there's two. Because we've got they've they've signed they've signed one player and they've been linked with another. So and then that that player has actually been linked with uh, some Premier League clubs. He's been linked with PSG. Um, so that would have been a segue. I should have thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so Perisic, Owen Perisic is, is signed for Bayern Munich on loan the year. They were looking for a winger. They looked, They started looking at Hudson Odoi, but that was never going to happen. Um, they looked at Sane, and then he got a serious injury, and he was quite expensive. I'm not sure if they would have paid that much for him. I think they want I think they would have. I think they needed him, but I get. I get where you're coming from. He'd be cheaper next summer. <laughs> yeah, um, and but they signed Perisic on loan. That's a good signing. I think you know he's a good player. Mm, yeah, it's um, a stopgap, isn't it? It feels like a stopgap. Yeah, yeah, they could probably sign Sane mm. next summer. It's, it's a bit underwhelming, though, isn't it? I suppose if you're a Bayern Munich yeah. fan, if you if you go from I know if if you put it like that, Johnny, where you go, oh, I'll give you Sane, but actually you can't have Sane right now. You got a bit of Perisic. I don't. I, it's a stopgap, definitely, but it's not a. It's not a bad one, no, is it? No, no, um, no. But I think it's a really, really important move for Bayern Munich. I think we already saw in the Super Cup, they they had nothing against Dortmund going forward. Nothing. Um, Kingsley Coman came on for the last 20 minutes, made a big difference, a bit of pace on the wing, and it actually it got Bayern Munich going towards the end, but it, by then it was the game was over. And... They, it, I, I watched that game and I was like, wow, Bayern Munich, it, as, you, as if you couldn't think, Bayern Munich could get any better. You'd be like, they could do with Leroy Sane. And then obviously the next day, the Community Shield, I was surprised to see Sane on the bench uh, start the game. And he, he started the game and he got injured. So it's a really interesting one. But I, I think Perisic is a really nice move for him. He's proven in the Bundesliga. He had a great he had a great one season at Dortmund and then a great sort of sort of set himself up at Wolfsburg before he moved to Inter Milan. Um and he's he's a proven goal scorer from from the wing. We've seen that for Inter Milan. We've seen that for Croatia more importantly. Um and it is what Bayern Munich need. Um, they need a, a creator more than anything. He's not necessarily as fast as as Nabry and Komen, but I think he can definitely do 
bits for, for Bayern Munich this season, um, especially moving forward for them, especially because they had such a challenge from Dortmund last season. And it seems like Dortmund are so angry at themselves for letting the title slip last season. They're going to be even better yeah, I'm, this I'm year. Yeah, I'm shaking my head at two bits, Declan. And that's, that's, a, that's a disgusting turn. Right. You, <laughs> you young children learn proper Can't English. But no. Anyway, back, back, to the, back to the topic <laughs> at hand. Um, I agree with what you just said. I think um, Perisic, experienced, uh, strong, physical, not, not the quickest, but not a slouch, two-footed, creative, can score goals, you know. As we said, a stop gap year, and it, and and obviously they've missed out on the main wing, uh, wide top wide man targets. So this gives them another year to sort of assess that. Go go going. I don't think they'll sign Perisic permanently. He may do really well, and maybe they get him cheaply, but he won't be the main wide man they're looking to, you know, for the for the future after this season. I think, but I think as we as we say, I think he can, he can do a job and, and, and fill a gap. And, and and probably they do need a bit of experience at the moment after losing Ayer Robin and Frank Ribery, definitely who've been there for so long. However, I say underwhelming because their rivals, Borussia Dortmund, have had such a brilliant transfer window. I think you know they they signed Mats yeah. Hummels of Bayern Munich, which was which I thought was an amazing sign. You know, uh, even he may be thirty years old, but he's gonna. I thought when I watched Dortmund last year at times, they were brilliant going forward. But if only they had a leader at the back who could sort of calm things down. Well, if well, they've solved that problem, it seems they've got Hazard, albeit his brother, but he's also a very you know a very accomplished winger in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, Borussia Dortmund. Sorry, I'm talking about now. Uh, they've got Nico Schultz, got Julian Brandt, got Paco Alcacer on the on the permanent transfer. They've to quote Declan, done bits in this. Um... They have, they have, Johnny. And I think the biggest thing you have to say from that, as much as good as the, all those transfers sound in that Super Cup. They played one of them, Nico Schultz, who's an incredible left back and was just what they needed. But there was no Hummels, there was no Hazard, there was no Brandt, and that's all still to come. Um, and, and we saw we saw with Paco Alcazar, like how he that is a amazing bit of business because he's just a goal scorer. We've seen it everywhere and. And I love it. I love, he's such a good, he's such a fun player to watch. I've got this theory that Jaden Sancho is going to be the big story next summer in terms of. Yeah. And Jaden Sancho in his second season now. At, at, in this summer, at, well, <laughs> next year. So, so good. They went in the Champions League and he was a bit worried about the structure of the club. Apart um, from James at Chelsea. Is, I think there's a good reason not to move, actually. Um, it says a lot about him. I, I know, I see, I go on Chelsea Twitter quite a lot and I see that, and I've seen some so-called Chelsea fan, every time like J.D. Morris or Joe Edwards, who are Chelsea assistant coaches, every time they tweet something, Chelsea fans seem to reply with a mock-up of Jason Sancho in a Chelsea shirt because they all want <laughs> us to sign him and they think that, you know, he's a childhood Chelsea fan, he's a friend of Callum hudson Doy, so therefore we should just sign him. Um, of course, it's everyone's dream. Like Chelsea, I would love to take Jason Sancho at Chelsea, but um, I think that I think he will move next summer. But it's just a matter of where he goes because a lot of big clubs will want him. I'm not sure if he'll move next summer. I, I think it might be um, it might be too soon. Uh, just because I feel like Dortmund will want to hang on to him as long as possible. Um, I think he he would only he would only go if he really kicked up a fuss. Yeah, he would go. Yes, yes, it would have to be the right. I think he would only go if it was the right club. Um, the right project, you know, the right manager. I don't think he would go to just the first big club that come for him. Um, I think, you know, it'd have to be like, you know, as a strategy, we're building a team. We've got a manager, like a project, you know, like, you know, like Liverpool or, you know, Paul would, I would, because there were stories coming out today that Salah's going to leave next summer. And of course, 
Sancho I was just thinking kind of almost natural yeah. replacement. And every every Dortmund player gets linked with Liverpool now. Even the ones that, well, even the ones that joined after Jurgen Klopp left Dortmund get. They they have really close ties though. The clubs they're very uh, very fond of each other. So I feel like that that does play a part. Because yeah, Pulisic was linked with with Liverpool a lot before he before he joined Chelsea. Um, in fact, that's I was I was surprised when we signed Pulisic because I was so convinced that that, that he would go to Liverpool. Um, but especially with them having American owners, I feel like that played a big part into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting one for the future. But Dortmund are definitely going to be competitive yeah. this season. They fought really well. Um, they look, they might even be stronger this season than last year. So um, it's going to... I, I, I like Dortmund. I feel, I feel like I, I, one of the best things is the uh, the stadium and the the fan base. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, you just, you just, you know, I've never actually been to the Borussia Dortmund stadium, but oh my god, that would be a dream. To go on one of I those games. I saw a documentary games. about um, uh, the yellow career. wall. Is it's called? Um, I think it's twenty thousand stood at the Dortmund Stadium. I think it behind um, the goal. Oh, and it, it's I saw incredible. it. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. Like you know, um, and the atmosphere. Yeah, he was talking about what the atmosphere is like in the stadium, and yeah. So um, yeah, they're one of my kind of favourite clubs outside of England. And they're very well run as well. Um, well what's wrong with mentioning Gladbach, James? Sorry. We- What's wrong with Borussia Mönchengladbach? I don't mind them either. Mm. <laughs> I'm only messing. Uh, yes. Um, I don't mind them either. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're awful. You're awful. Oh, man. You're going to get locked yeah. up. Stuff, I, I, stuff like I was munching glad to be back on the podcast this week. So we're going to get on to um, the first yeah. weekend of the Premier League. Um, oh, I was going to make you, a joke. Wait, so you're, you're telling me we're not talking about transfer news. <laughs> We've just spent half an hour talking about. <laughs> I mentioned mm-hmm. at the start yes. we were talking about. Believe me, I'm not the I'm not like the biggest fan of talking about this weekend's Premier League. Was it? But this, oh, you're, you're really Premier getting me League ready for Central. it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one talking about that game. <laughs> Um, and then we got onto the super cup after that. Um, but um, like, uh, so Friday night, Liverpool um, started off with like, to be honest, what seemed like a routine four-one win. Well, I, 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 second half, I think, is definitely routine. But I think you have to take in mind, like Norwich started the game quite well, and they had chances. And th- this is the biggest issue with these promoted teams is they come up and they play. Really nice football. You've got to remember, Norwich were the champions of the championship. Like they have just dominated everyone in that league. And you come into the league, and you come into the Premier League, and they had chances, and you've got to put them away. If you if they put them away, they come away with points, and that means you stay in the Premier League. And there's too many teams when they get promoted, they they don't find that source of goals and. Their strikers don't take those opportunities that they did have. They they definitely had them, and and at the end of the day, that four one seemed a bit harsh, but it just shows how Liverpool are. And I I actually think it's something we said earlier, but um about the Super Cup as well last night was that. Liverpool defensively don't look nearly as strong in two games as they did last season. I know it's still very early, um, but even even against the team like Norwich, they were they were sort of picking them apart. Um, so, but they just unfortunately didn't take their chances, and that uh, Liverpool are clinical, and and that that see, that sees how we got that scoreline. Mm. I feel like um, I, I, you, you're completely right. I feel like it's almost an op- an, an early sort of season of complacency. 
you know, com- complacency beginning of the season because, you know, I think I think one of the hardest things to do actually after a season of, uh, that's hard fought where you won the Champions League, you came second by a point, amassing 97 points, is to sort of re-energise, get going again, yeah. um, you know, get get on the game mentally and physically and, and be there like, like they were at, for the large majority of last season. I think that's why Pep Guardiola's so... Um, so so we applaud him so much because for two seasons he got he got his Man City team to win the league with 100 points and then got them to do virtually the same thing the season after um, amassing 98 but you know because it is so hard I mean James you so with yeah. I know there were a few issues with it but when it Antonio Conte hard. got 95 points in that in that season with Chelsea and then suddenly they dropped to fifth I know there are a few other issues with that but it just shows how hard it is to to keep that standard. And one thing I would say with Liverpool is, uh, I always remember, I think it was Rio Ferdinand said, when Sir Alex Ferguson, he had all these man management um, strategies to, and they were, uh, to, keep his, to keep the squad going. But one thing they always did or often did was make a statement signing in the summer. And they used to do that to keep people on the toes, to sort of refocus and re-energize the the group. So, and I think they they went through, they won three titles in a row, didn't they? I think 06, 07, 07, 08, 08, 09. And uh, they signed players like Carlos Tevez, like Dimitar Berbatov, and kept that focus there. And this summer, Liverpool have signed (laughs) no one of No no one. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because Mm. what happens is, oh, so subtly, you get, you get like, well, there's nobody... (laughs) Sorry, James. Sorry, I can't believe Johnny just did that. Um, There's no one new coming in to challenge my place. I'm being serious here. I know, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. So it's like, well, I don't have to try as hard because nobody. there's no one new coming in who's going to push me to be out the side. I know I'm going to get picked, you know, um, and this isn't something you consciously do. It's not the player's fault necessarily, but it just kind of seeps in a little bit that, oh, I don't, oh, I'm going to get picked every week, you know, and and if that isn't nipped in the bud by the manager, then then there's going to be problems. Like, I think, I think that kind of happened, that, I know, I know this from experience, I've yeah. seen it at Chelsea where we signed rubbish players in the summer who won't get into don't get in the team and the same players get picked and they know they're going to get picked. And this happened with Marcus Alonso last year. He knew he was going to get picked every game, no matter what. And he's, as soon as he signed his new contract, um, he started playing abysmally and it took till March or April till he got dropped because they necessarily wouldn't drop him. Um, And he'd like, and that, 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 and if that attitude kind of seeps into players, that's very dangerous. And even if you just find one big player in the summer, like one, that just says, like, we're not staying still. We're not going to be complacent. We're not going to rest on our laurels. We we are we are ambitious, and you are going to have to keep fighting for your place at this uh, in this team. Like, and that just keeps that little... And even Man, Man City don't... They make at least one signing a summer. Like, they brought Riyad Mahrez, who's like another attacking player. And so all the other attacking players are thinking... Oh my goodness, we have Mario's here. Now I've got to make sure that I keep my place. I think a good example of Man City there is them signing Cancelo when they have a very, very good right back that they spent 50 million for in Carl Walker. And you see that in the first two games of the season. I was really, really impressed with Carl Walker. He he played really well. 
and and it, that 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 I guess sort of sums up what both of you have said. Like it just gives a bit more competition, a bit more to reasoning when, to, in the early to earn Abramovich your place. Years. We used to have like two or three people for each place, and we used to sign big players every yeah, summer. I, mean, I remember the summer we signed Ashley Cole. Wayne Bridge had the had the early season of his life. He was playing out of his skin because he knew we were going for Ashley Cole, and we were going to go for we were going to go for him anyway. And so he, so he just played out of his skin. Eventually, Ashley Cole took his place in the team, but it wasn't straight away because, because and because and it's partly because he had that push of. <laughs> Like they're not staying still, and they bought Michael. They had Lampard, Macaulay, and Essien, and they bought Michael Ballack as well. You know, and that just and that that kind of pressure makes sure that you keep up the level, that you not don't slack off. It's like I've got to make sure that I'm playing at my best to stay in this team, and that's what top teams do. I mean, I, I keep saying this: people like say, "Oh, we shouldn't sign that player and that player because then this player won't play." It's like, well. Yeah, but you have competition for places. You have people pushing to get in the team and the best players will play and you rotate if you're a top team. Yeah, I feel, I feel like yeah. Liverpool said that, well, Jurgen Klopp came out and said, well, we don't have the money of Manchester City, which I think is a bit of a... I, I, I was a bit mixed with that. I, I agree to an extent. City are very well ran. They've spent very efficiently and, and they, they do seem to have, um, obviously, a lot of finances to play with. Um, but, with but Liverpool, you know... Um, a lot of the finance. I mean, when they brought Van Dijk and Allison in, that was the Coutinho money that that, that they that they used to finance those two deals. Um, and you got to remember, every Premier League club gets over a hundred million pounds uh, in television revenue. Now we're not saying no. I don't. I don't think anyone's saying right. Liverpool did so well last year. Right, go and sign three eighty million pound players again, like you did. No one's saying that. I think, but but. If you if they were clever on the market, they could have got some pretty you know good level. I mean, look at Borussia Dortmund. Look at what they did. Their business they haven't spent crazy money like some other clubs would. They can't do, but they bought some very good players in. That's no doubt going to strengthen the squad. Um, I just yeah, I just feel like it's it's a really it's a really strange one. But at the same time, you know, Jurgen Klopp will say. Uh, he believes in what he has. Oxley Chamberlain coming back, you know, is uh, like a new signing, I guess, in many ways. Naby Keita probably going to be someone who's going to benefit from a second season in English football. Um, and they've got a lot of good young players, you know, and uh, they've got a lot of good young players, so he's going to probably but, um, trust the youth a bit but, more. Um, yeah, they've obviously so, got and, a very good backup happened, like, so as well. To Liverpool 1-4-1, um, which they were expected to do kind of thing. I think. Uh, and obviously Manchester City just demolish West Ham um, and it could have been more than five he um, possibly should have been um, you know we had Raheem Sterling getting a hat trick um, you know the football game was fantastic um, and it's not that West Ham are a bad side because they're not a bad side um, that good you know it's Man City will be good I mean, West Ham, like most, against no. most teams, West They're Ham will do pretty well. They'll probably have a good season. You know, they've got some quality players and they didn't play badly. It's just that when you play against a team like Manchester City, the way they play football, the way they're drilled to play football, the quality that they have, um, and a manager like Pep Guardiola who is so hungry for success. I mean, I saw that documentary about Man City and he got, I mean, people say that he only cares about good football. He doesn't only care about good football. He's a winner. He hates losing and he wants to win every single game. And he gets really angry if he doesn't win. And he's ruthless in his team selections as well. Um, if you don't perform for him, then you get dropped. Um, so, 
Yeah, that that was impressive because West Ham were actually a good side and Man City made them look ordinary. Um, and we talked about Manchester City as well. And Rodri looks just a class player. Like, he looked just immediately settled in, immediately part of the furniture, you know. Um, yeah, so... They were impressive. Yeah. I just think I think uh, one thing actually as well. Uh, you know, we talk about Raheem Sterling's hat trick, and I remember a lot of people used to. I think quite a good comparison is Sterling and Salah. You know, two very similar kind of players. I think. They, I know Sterling's gone to the left wing now. They both used to play on the right wing, but they both look, now with Sterling on the left wing, they both look to come inside, get involved with goals and whatnot. I think right now, I think Sterling's quite a bit better than Salah, and well, not not not. Not it, there's not a massive divide between the two. They're both absolutely well. They're both world class players. But what I get with Sterling is you, you, you can see he's he seems more in touch with his teammates. He seems to be a little bit more aware of what's going on around him. So Sterling dribbles into the box, has a chance to shoot. He'll also see other teammates that are around him for a pass or, or, or be a bit more aware of the people around him. I think when Mo Salah goes into the box, almost certainly he's going to have a shot on goal. And a lot of the time, actually, a lot, a lot of people used to criticise Raheem Sterling's finishing and say, oh, he's a terrible finisher. He, he can't finish the ball. But a lot of people used to forget how many chances Mo Salah misses in a game. You know, I, re- I remember Mo, Mo Salah gets gets really good goal numbers. He did last season. He got crazy goal numbers the season before. But he gets so many chances and he shoots so many times that, he, he be, you know, the law of averages are that you're going to score quite a lot of goals. Obviously, he's a brilliant player too, to boot. But with Sterling, I feel like, you know, his finishing's improved massively over over his tenure, over his time at Man City, especially under Guardiola's management. And I feel like his overall game you know, has steadily gone gone above gone above the likes of Mohamed Salah, who you would argue, you know, when he first came to England, he was he was the top dog winger out of those two goal scoring wingers. He was the man everyone idolised him. But now, you know, it's it's just testament to how well Sterling's risen. It really, really is. Salah's not Salah's a, ter- a tremendous player, but Sterling could be the the winger now. Now that Hazard's gone, especially the winger in the Premier League. The the yeah, top. I, winger, I, I, I really believe. rate I really rate him. Um, Raheem Sterling. I'm. He's yeah. He's cl- not. He's class on and off the pitch. Um, I think for me, like he's, um, he's a class act, and um, he, he's only twenty four. He's going to get better. He's not at his peak yet, and sensible. He'll stay at Manchester City because, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola. I think we'll go. We've already talked about Spurs a little bit. They won three one against Villa. Um, Ericsson coming off the bench um, again. He made a big, made a big difference um, that game. I thought Villa started really mm. well. John McGinn. That's the sort of example where you want John McGinn came onto that game and he took his. They had a chance, Villa, and they took it. And they obviously decided that they were going to defend really well. Um, and they did do a good job. Tyrone Mings had like ten more clearances than any other player from the weekend. He looked he looked really yeah. worth that money they paid for him. Yeah, I I thought he was really impressive, and you could see the influence of John Terry as a coach yeah. as well on not just him but on the entire defense and how it was organized. Uh, definitely, definitely. Unfortunately, it just they, uh, Tottenham turned on the switch when Ericsson came on and they just overpowered Villa. But it was a very respectful first game in the Prem, and and I, I, if I was a Villa fan, I wouldn't be disheartened. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so yeah, that was that game. Um, so there were two surprise. Well, no, I don't know if they're two surprising wins, but one of them was surprising. Um, Burnley. This is not the surprise, by the way. Burnley winning three um, nil against Southampton. 
um, at home. I think someone mm. someone might predict that some team would struggle. Is that right? Um, they're now third in the pre- well, they're third or something like that um, in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Champions League place. So yeah, so but that was an impressive uh, yeah, they're, they're doing well. They're um, doing well. They're, 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 they're the Champions League places. Yeah, you know, I. I I I don't I always expect them to stay up now, but yep. I still they still um, get some results which surprise me. But Sean Dyche is an excellent manager, and uh, yeah, they're going to be fine this year. Yeah, no, I mean the first forty five minutes was a tro- I was it was boring. Everyone, you know, I mean the 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 rain was lashing down so much so that the cricket pitch that that the Burnley cricket team play on behind Turf Moor was waterlogged completely. It was underwater. Um, you know, you couldn't see any grass. It was crazy. Um, so it, that that gives you an idea of the torrential conditions that the, the game was played in. Lots of wind, lots of rain. Southampton not too keen on on that. It seemed uh, after the game, and they, they, they mentioned that a few times. Um, but no, I, I genuinely, you know, it was a. I didn't think Southampton played too badly, really. I feel like they were trying to play a passing game. I feel like they were trying to play out from the back, which is what Ralph Hasenhutl wants to do. Um, Nathan Redmond, I thought, was excellent in like a free roll just off the two strikers, Ings and Che Adams. Um, and he was causing, you know, a very good player, Nathan Redmond, actually. When he, he didn't really get much game time under Mark Hughes. They didn't really see eye to eye, but he's been very good for Hassan Hootel. Um, he looked the most likely for Southampton. I think he forced Nick Pope into a really good save in the first half. Um, but Burnley found the answers after the after the first goal which was a which was a long hoof upfield by peters which was really you know it was just a clearance hit and hope clearance really just kicking it as far as he could and it sort of got seemed to get caught in the wind a little bit and the rain um Vestergaard misread it he, and the ball bounces to Ashley Barnes and he sort of, it looks like actually uh, Jack Stevens has covered the covered uh, Vestergaard well, but then but then um, Barnes managed to sort of direct a volley through the legs of um, Angus Gunn. I think, actually I think Gunn should have saved it, but fair play for his persistence. Uh, yeah, and then done. as soon as that first goal went in, it sort <laughs> of, Southampton went to pieces, a little bit like your team James actually on the first uh, week uh, against Man United. But, uh, but no, they just, they because it was, it was there was nothing really in it. I'd, I'd probably said Southampton was slightly the better side, but then Burnley just took it. Burnley just took the confidence from that. They were a lot more progressive going forward. Southampton went to pieces. Three uh, 0 flattered Burnley, I think, um, a little bit. But brilliant second goal by Ashley Barnes as well on the volley. Peters with a, a bending cross. Uh, but yeah, important win because Arsenal coming up next, then Wolves, then Liverpool. So it's a, it's it's tough for Burnley. It was important for Burnley to get that. And then Southampton have a tough run too, but and there was a lot. There was a lot of negativity of, of course, with um, from Southampton fans. But I really wouldn't be too up if I was them. You know, there were some positives. Three 0 Obviously, you're going away thinking, oh, that's a terrible result away to Burnley. But there was a bit of luck involved. <laughs> I, I didn't um, say a word. I think they'll be okay this season, despite what Declan wow. thinks. So um, the other, the other, there was another three 0 win, which actually surprised me. Uh, was Brighton. You didn't have. You didn't um, have to. That that. Took me by surprise. Brighton beating Watford three 0 uh, Watford were at home as well. Watford have got a decent team as well. 
Um, and that, you imagine, know, um, imagine if someone predicted them finishing bottom. How crazy would that be that they'd start the season so poorly? Ima- imagine that. Often but, the way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it was a great start for Graham Potter. I was very skeptical. He's a, he's a manager that's like he managed obviously Swansea last season in the Championship, but then before that he spent six or seven years in Sweden. Um, so like he's a. It's very rare that we see British managers or players go abroad. So he's a good example of someone going abroad and then coming back and it was a great start for him I think Brighton have bought quite smartly something I did notice from this weekend is a lot of new signings didn't actually play that much I think it was only Manchester United and I think there was one more team that that had played um that had like started a new player it was quite yes yes there we go as well Okay, um, but it, it definitely seemed like there were a lot, like especially Brighton were a team where all the new signings were sat on the bench um, and he actually brought them into the game and they played quite well when they came on. So maybe that was a master stroke by Graham Potter there. But it was interesting to see Brighton, who played the last two years under Cruz Hewton with four at the back. They have, they have obviously been training pre-season. They are playing a three at the back and it did seem to suit them quite well against a team like Watford. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was a good start for them. Um I'm sure Watford will be fine, and I still think Brighton may struggle. But, but I think but, I think Watford will finish bottom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, um, was that on your prediction? I can't remember. <laughs> um, I think okay. So, so there were a couple of there was a nil nil with Crystal Palace and Everton, and I think the most. The most notable thing about that game, Everton, Everton were poor that game. That I actually that was the three o'clock on Saturday that I actually watched. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, uh, on the, on the telly on the uh, the old laptop. How, how, how did you watch um, that? It wasn't on television. <laughs> but I was actually really disappointed with everything because I feel like for fans, they're pretty excited because they've made some really nice signings uh, in the transfer window. I've never seen them so busy. Yeah. Um, and Palace didn't really they didn't replace Wambasaka. They weren't sure if they were going to keep hold of Wilfred Zaha. He obviously started on the bench for that game, but the whole game they were on top. Everton didn't really show any sort of fierceness and they were again a team that had a lot of um their new signings on the bench and obviously Morgan Schneiderling got sent off on about the 75 minute mark and it was all Palace from them but they just couldn't they couldn't find the goal. Jordan Pickford did have a very good game um which is good for English fans. Um, but it, it was just a just a, a boring nil nil, if I'm honest. But Crystal Palace were definitely the better team, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I, think also- I mean, I, I, uh, Sigurdsson had two chances. I thought he should have scored. Uh, I thought the full, the Everton fullbacks got forward quite well. I do. I thought I thought Everton had quite a few. Ch- I mean, I on this I didn't see the full game, so I bow down to your superior knowledge probably on this. But from what I did see, Everton did have yeah, enough chances I, to I, win I the game themselves. The but they didn't look like as well. Palace could have, could have scored well. a few the themselves. Fans as well. were very positive towards him uh they were checking yeah. his name um and you know i think that that's a really positive sign i think <laughs> that because it means it'll help him get integrate integrated back in more quickly after they're, the- they're not stupid james they know how important yeah, he has exactly. been for them um, I, still, um, I mean i still think there's a chance he can move in january especially if um a certain transfer ban is um yeah is, it wouldn't be very fair if it got lifted you wouldn't feel the full uh, punishment then would you <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because you know we don't we we don't we're not owned by a state, so we can't buy. <laughs> I knew that I knew that was coming at some point today. I, I was I was curious what your opinion yeah, on that not, was. We're not, we're not corrupt, so we, we, we <laughs> you know, like fair play. 
Nice. Good northerners. Just on the side note, we're owned by good, honest, local okay. businessmen. Okay, so, um, going on to mm. Sunday. Oh, no. No, we missed out. Not, not entirely true, United, but we'll go with so. we'll, Do you want to we'll, we'll read we'll out the that. other results and then we'll move on to Sunday because I'm worried yeah, we're short time. The other result on Saturday was Bournemouth 1, Sheffield United 1. Um, not much. Good start for Sheffield United. Yeah, good start for United, I think. Yeah. Um, then we had Leicester nil versus uh, Leicester and Wolves was a nil nil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> controversial um, disallow goal Arsenal, in that Newcastle, good start to Leicester's push to fifth um, Arsenal won one nil, but Newcastle did themselves a lot of credit I thought um, yeah. and I laughed because David Luiz is on the bench Her- horrendous game I was so Chelsea, <laughs> um, which I thought was hilarious that he was then on the bench at Arsenal um, but yeah he saw the start. performance from Arsenal get, just get the result that's the most important thing um, yeah, that's that's a positive sign from them. And then we had um, a demolition at Old Trafford. Um, so can, can I can I can I start on this, James? Yeah, Is that gonna, all right? Well, um, can I just say the result? It was Manchester United four Chelsea. Yeah. Now that was the result. Okay, that was very big of you to say the result before me. I appreciate that. Um, so I was actually really lucky to to go to the game. Um, oh wow! It, yeah, so it, it it was a it was a great atmosphere. It's probably the greatest atmosphere. I I probably went. I was at Old Trafford about four or five times last season, and it was the soul was just sucked out of the stadium, um, and you could tell. But to, as soon as I got in there on Sunday, it was like it was like a different stadium. There was I know it's a new season. Everyone's a bit more optimistic, and that helps. But um, a big thing they've done at Old Trafford is they've actually moved the singing section. Um, so it actually seems like there's like another away end of just like other United fans, and it's pretty good because it it encourages everyone to get involved. But it, it, there was a good feeling going in, and I I think I, I said a lot. I think Johnny, you mentioned a lot that you were expecting this to be a bit like last season's game towards the end, where it was a boring one-one. And I I definitely saw that. And but the game started. Chelsea were in full control. They I've, I've never seen a team start so well at Old Trafford. Really, they were fully up for the new season, and I was really impressed with Frank Lampard's Chelsea. And I was very impressed. The, the shot from Tammy Abraham, how it didn't go in. It was yeah. a rocket. Yeah, now this is um, an interesting thing because Chelsea hit the post more than any other team last season. Yeah, and we've already we're already top of the league on hitting the post this season, and Chelsea getting <laughs> a bit bored of it because it seems to happen all the time. It seems to be like breaking the yeah, but it, it, it's, it's just one of those but things. It was a like, great I, strike. It was. A I great fully. Strike. I just couldn't believe that it didn't go in. Yeah, I, that, I just I just looked away because I thought it had gone in, um, but. Chelsea was so impressive um, for that first half. And if I'm honest, apart from Katsuma's mistake for the pe- penalty, uh, United didn't deserve to be in front at half time. It could, it could have easily been 2-1 Chelsea and been a very, very different game. Um, but then second half, United just... they ha- About 10 minutes after United scored the penalty, they became the better team for the first time in the game. And then they lost it again and Chelsea just started... To- Chelsea dominated the ball so well on Sunday. Um, and then... United just got into their groove. They they obviously got an opportunity and they took it. And I think that's what we saw is that United just became clinical in the second half and, and Chelsea just unfortunately lost their head. But I think I, I, it was quite good to see from Chelsea fans really stick with Frank Lampard. So I really like Frank Lampard. And it was if I was Frank Lampard, especially at halftime, I would have been scratching my head thinking... What what can we do apart from score goals to to win this game? Because they they were the better team, but 
at the end of the day, you you have to take your chances. It's something I said that's earlier. My, that's basically my assessment of the game. That you know we we dominated the game. We played really good football. Um, I was I was even I was surprised at how good it was. To be honest, um, Mason Mount had a really good game on his day. Yeah. Tammy yeah. he was impressive. Was good. It um, was excellent. He had a couple of chances. Um, we were passing. The, we were controlling the game. Um, and it was literally just stupid mistakes. You know, Zuma, I don't know what he was doing. He, he, he's he been in bad form in pre-season. I think he just carried that on, um, made a reckless tackle. And then once Man United were ahead, they could then sit back and hit us on the counter-attack. And if we'd been ahead, then Man United would have had to just come at us and we could have, we could have hit them on the counter-attack and it would have been a completely different game. Um, yeah. So I actually wasn't really upset at the, 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 the last whistle. It was like, well... It's four 0 yeah, that sucks, you know. But it's, but on, but but when you actually look at the game, it wasn't a full. Like Frank Lampard actually said this. It's not a four one, four four nil. No, 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 no. But it wasn't. Actually, the Man United were more clinical, man, and Chelsea made mistakes defensively. Definitely not a four one, um, and that basically is why Man United won. I, I, I think. I think the biggest thing I do want to like uh, until I, I really want to get Johnny's opinion because I know he watched the game as well because he's such a big fan of Manchester United. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I did just want to say like I think from the media and from Sky Sports etc. From the game, they really bigged up Harry Maguire who had an incredible debut. They really bigged up Pogba who I didn't think had an amazing game but he got two assists. Um, and they bigged up Rashford because obviously he got two of the goals, but. The player that really, really stood out for me watching the game was Wambasaka because he he is just and I know his name wasn't everywhere after this weekend. But yes, he was incredible. I, I've never seen a right having a solid right back make such a difference to how a team plays, um, yeah. and it, it's incredible. He, he the, the yeah. just the tackles he does. He's so yeah. good at tackling. He's a yeah. real good tackler, and I love him. I love him. I was really I impressed great. with him and. Um, I mean, it was in complete contrast to our right back. He was just absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Aspilicueta, but he did have a stinker. Uh, I mean, like to be honest, if you've been those of us who've watched Aspilicueta regularly, uh, now I feel like he's he's getting to the point where he's not good enough anymore for Chelsea. Um, he's you know, he's even defensively, he's not as good as he was. He's he's not got the pace that uh, he's not got pace. He's not the crossing isn't brilliant. Papa um, wants to play with pace and energy and. He wants to, he wants fullbacks who can get forward like Manchester City's ones do, and get those crosses in. Uh, there, it, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, it felt like there was yes, a young player in reserve. The end. He said, like, "Reese James is going to be a big player for us this season," and I absolutely am convinced he is um, because Reese James is as good defensively as Wan Bissaka is, but he's as good going forward as Trent Alexander Arnold. I'm not joking. And you'll not be telling me this at the end of the year, like, oh my God, you were right. You know, because um, that, I mean, he will make a huge difference to Chelsea when he starts because because he's strong, he's physically strong, he's good defensively, he's quick, and he can get forward and get good crosses into the box. And he already has a chemistry with Tammy Abraham and Mason Brown because he's played with them already. Um, and that will make a huge difference when he comes back. Um, he's definitely an upgrade on what Aspilicueta is now. Aspilicueta is basically the, one of the, one of our weakest links right now. We just haven't got anybody else because um, Zappa Costa is leaving, and he's even worse if anything. Um, so, yeah. So there's there's. I mean, the, one of the reasons I was not upset was because we have five first teamers, as far as I'm concerned, all yeah. playing. We had like Rudiger wasn't wasn't fit. 
um, Reese James, Hudson Adore, Loftus Cheek. Um, Pulisic wasn't starting either, um, which I think was probably the only mistake um, he um, Lampard made was not starting Pulisic. Yeah, I think he should have started Pulisic. That was the one I just one selection I disagreed with actually, um, and you know this actually leads us nicely into kind of the Super Cup um, mm. when Pulisic did start and he was absolutely sensational. Um, really, really good starting debut. I was so disappointed when uh, that disallowed goal he was, was, was disallowed because was such a good goal. I, 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 I started watching the game late. Um, I hold my hand up to that, and I'd literally t- just started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, go on, Pulisic!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" And it just—it was such a good goal to watch, and then it was—it was, it was just utter disappointment, complete neutral watching the game, huh? and I was yeah. just like. Oh, that was really annoying that that didn't count because it was really good. Yeah, and he's actually got—I think he's quicker than Eden Hazard is. Although he's obviously he's not Eden Hazard, but he, in terms of pace, I think he's got more pace. Yeah, um, and he's definitely—he uh, looks really good, like good on the ball, can beat defenders. Like looks like he can finish as well, and he can play on the right or the left. Um, he was excellent yesterday. Uh, I was really impressed with him. And I mean, and and the, the big the big miss, yeah. of course, and the one the guy who played yesterday and was absolutely, um, like almost like unbelievable. He was incredible. Um, Ingolo Kante, like, like he was just yesterday. It was like I've never yeah. seen him play that well. It was he and he's played a lot of good games, but he was just everywhere yesterday. He was he was brilliant. I mean, we've seen um, we've seen with Chelsea uh, over the past two games, we've, we've already seen actually flexibility in formation because it, Lampard was with a 4-2-3-1 at, at Old Trafford and uh, and and at, in the Super Cup it was a 4-3-3 which and yeah, it's quite it funny actually because Kante yeah. was playing in the slightly further forward position with Jorginho in the six just like under Maurizio Sarri. But what I would say, but but there was a, a, it, and just before you come back at me with that, did it seem to be a little bit more uh, flexibility in that 4-3-3 and that Kante dropped a bit deeper and then went a bit more forward and then I think Kovacic was a, was slightly more advanced. I feel like there was a bit more uh, yes, balance saw, in that 4-3-3 because there was less open the to counter. So you, you we had a 4-3-3 but none of the midfielders were in fixed positions. They were all able they were all kind of able to move around so Kante could drop deeper and defend no. and Jorginho could get from a further yeah. forward if necessary. Yeah. was a bit more advanced yeah. than either of those two. Uh, a lot yeah. of movement and a lot more high energy, mm. which is much more you know, than I, I, Sarri was kind of everyone's ever everyone has a fixed position. You don't move very different. Uh, I mean, it was so, it was the best yeah, football I've seen yeah. from Chelsea for a long time. Yeah, it was, yeah. They, they, they did play very well. I think the one concern that I highlighted, which was the reason I sort of had Chelsea in seventh before the start of the season, was that lack of. Yeah a clinical, obvious goal scorer up front. And I feel like at the moment we don't really have an answer in the first two games as to who is the better option. I mean, Giroud yesterday, for me, very well-taken goal. He linked up the play quite well, I think I feel, at times, uh, because, that's as we know, that's what Giroud can do. He's quite selfless. But at the same time, I thought there were a few poor first touches which he didn't bring down particularly well, and that, sort of, that was a bit disappointing. Uh, I feel like when he was running through, sort of at a defence, yeah, he never thought that he was going to score. You know, when he was running at the defence or trying to trying to run onto three balls, you never thought that he was going to uh, burst in and then smash the ball into the back of the net. Well taken goal, granted. 
but but again, I think it was quite a good performance, but not nothing that was ne- maybe slamming down a marker saying, this is my position, I'm going to keep it for the season. And then with Abraham, I thought he did okay at Old Trafford. You know, his first start, hit the post, with a, was really unlucky when he hit the post. Uh, a bit quiet, didn't really get involved too much, uh, was on the bench for the Super Cup. When he came on... Uh, in the Super Cup, he was lively. He won the penalty. Uh, I don't know if Giroud would have been in that position because he's, you know, obviously Abraham's quicker, a bit more dynamic, I guess, uh, than, than Giroud. Uh, but at the same time, maybe lacks um, a few things. Uh, in, in certain, well, we know he lacks in certain areas. He's, he's never proven himself uh, as a regular goal scorer in the Premier League. He missed a penalty. Also, Mr. Sitter in extra time. Yeah, uh, when the, uh, Tony you Abraham, know, for me, goal. I mean, he's 21. He's not. Not complete striker. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and he, and he, yeah. And he puts he puts in a lot of effort. He runs around a lot. He's in, he's in, 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 as opposed to Giroud. He's gonna he's gonna. Um, I think he'd worry defenders more if you, he's running at you as opposed to Giroud because I think there's a bit more um, movement with him than Giroud. I feel Giroud is a bit more static. I feel like you know, in, but I, I don't feel like either one of them. Are shouting at me saying I'm going to get 15, 20 goals yeah, this season. I, I feel like it's a, I, I, it, it, I that could be Chelsea's um, weak Abraham point. Has, like I think Tony Abraham suits the style of football that Lampard wants to play more. I think because of his his movement, um, his pace. Um, I think Lampard believes in him as well. I think I I think he just needs to. I think he needs to get a goal just for his confidence. And I think once he gets one goal, that will make a big difference to him. Definitely, he's got a very strong mentality. I mean, I, I saw an interview with John Terry, who worked with him at Aston Villa, and also knew him from Chelsea as well when he was um, an academy player, saying what a strong mentality he has, strong character, great work ethic, good attitude. You know, um, wants to improve, wants to wants to wants to be successful. So I think, um, I think I've seen I've seen some good signs from him in the in the first couple of games, but obviously there's room for improvement. Um, I think I would like to see him start against. I'd like to see him start against Leicester and then against Norwich and Sheffield United because I think those are games he could. Which would, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that with respect to Norwich and Sheffield United, their defenses are not going to be as good as Liverpool or Manchester United. Um, so it might be a good way for him to get off the mark and give him a bit of confidence. Um, I think Giroud and Tammy Abraham will probably rotate depending on the opposition, depending on you know, tactics that we're using. I think, um, yeah, I think that's what will happen this season. Um, and also, again, it depends if Chelsea's transfer ban is reduced to one window, because if they can buy in January, they may well go out and get a, a get a get a striker. Um, there's a possibility of that if they think they need one. Although I think Lampard is kind of wanting to stick with what he has and kind of give them confidence, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, so... I think Chelsea are trying to this season trying to find goals from more than one source because last year it was kind of like Eden Hazard. Fifty um, percent of our goals came from him. In yeah. Goal, in terms of goals and assists, you know. So, I mean, yeah, we'll have Hudson Odoi. Pulisic will probably get a few goals. I think. I think um, Mason Mount will probably get some from midfield. I think. Yeah, when Loftus Cheek comes back, he'll get some. Uh, Ross Barkley might get some if he plays a few games. Hudson, I don't know if I said Hudson Odoi, but um, he wants to get goals from different places. Um, yeah. So yeah, that will be the biggest issue for us this season. It won't be 
Uh, ultimately, I don't think it'll be defending because I think you know even yesterday, even last night, defensively we looked a lot better last night than we did on on Saturday. Um, and I think part of that was Kante. Um, I also think Reese James and Rudiger coming back will help our defence as well. So um, yeah, so I'm still pretty. After last night, especially, I'm pretty positive about Chelsea's season. Still, the prediction I made, I, I stick by. Um, but um, but yeah, it's been an interesting week for Chelsea because um, after after Saturday, Sunday, it was all kind of like you know um, a bit of despondency. But even though we lost last night on penalties to Liverpool in the Super Cup, I think uh, everyone was kind of really a lot of all the fans that I saw on on Twitter were like you know really proud of. Um, you're really proud of our performance, you know, you know, did well, for, like everyone, we, we outplayed them, we matched them for 120 minutes, you know, this is a lot of positives, lots of good things to come out of that, you know, and so I think that all, like, I remember, it's like, it reminds me of the um, League Cup final last year, which we lost on penalties, but we matched Manchester City, and that kind of was the turning point for our season. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I said to people, like, I'm almost glad we, we had this big defeat at the start of the season, because, it means that we can address and rectify the problems now when we're, when we're not going to be having two games a week until, you know, uh, whereas if we found this out in like October, November, it's, there's less time between games to address these issues. So Lampard can now like, and it also kind of brings people a bit back down to earth in terms of expectations. So. Wow. I, I, I don't know if I want to know any more about Chelsea, James. That was incredible. Yeah, that was sorry. Incredible. I, yeah, I didn't mean to go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I, I feel like we're 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 running out of time though this week. About Burnley quite a lot, so I felt I could do that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay, so that's that's the that's this week's questions and this week's transfers. One thing I do want to say, James, before we say goodbye to everyone this week is just because obviously now we're coming out of transfer season. I, it would be nice to get some feedback from our listeners. Um, just to see what they want throughout the season from us. Because I, I definitely, um, I think the Transfer News Central podcast will definitely carry on as we gear up uh, already towards the January mm. transfer window. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'd be good to get yeah. some feedback on what yeah. um, what what we could do, maybe a couple of segments in the week um, that we can do. So it'd be good to get some feedback before we um, before we um, come to our next episode. Yes, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, if you just want to sell our show only, the, the Burnley podcast. No, that's fine. I'll put it on Burnley Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. We're up. Next week with yes. more on the European transfer window and um, more on and on this week's Premier League fixtures as well. And I promise not to talk about so much about Chelsea next week. Um, I'm sorry if you're not a Chelsea fan. Um, <laughs> that Don't forget to follow our socials as well. Obviously, Facebook and Twitter, Transfer News Central. Transfer News Central, yeah. yeah. So, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Hi. Cheers. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>